I'm the lead pastor here. I, I'm here with a, a, a great team of people, uh, leaders, and uh, everybody that helps make what we do on a Sunday morning. They're just phenomenal, dedicated people. And um, I would love to just go through the list mentally, but uh, I have a few cobwebs up there, and I'll miss somebody. Uh, that was a great opportunity to laugh, but too late. Anyways, um, we're doing a series called uh, Journey with Jesus, uh, and I actually probably use that language a lot because many of us in this room are, are in a journey with Jesus. Some of you are beginning a journey with Jesus, and some of us are even thinking about a journey with Jesus, and we want to, to just help all of us along as we think about that. So with this series, we've been talking about, you know, Jesus' adult life from the moment that he came with John the Baptist all the way to his death and resurrection. And before I begin, I want to talk a little bit about EMTs. And uh, many people in the medical field are this, this way, but I'm going to focus this morning on EMT. And the reason I'm doing that is because I have a story that goes with it. This year, probably four months ago, I was up uh, moving from the back. Of the, at the back of the building, we have a flight of stairs. And at the top of the landing, there is a glass that looks back in the, the utility way back behind a building. And I very seldom use the elevator. I always go up and down the stairs. And so I'm going back there, and I come across, and I see a person laying down, laundry mats right here, just kind of laying down on the sidewalk, fairly well-dressed person, so it was not a homeless person for sure. And I'm looking, are they just laying down, resting? What are they doing there? And I thought, this is odd. Do I want to bother with this? And so I went and got my phone because I didn't have my phone. My phone was on the desk. So I went and got my phone. I went running down there, and the man was passed out. And I could not arouse this person. So 911, here we go. Called 911, and um, he was breathing very slowly. And while I was there... He stopped breathing. Or at least his heart rate slowed down enough that I could not tell if he was breathing. Hey, 911, so here I go. I've got the phone one here. They're calling the uh, EMTs. And, <clears throat> and I'm sitting here going, don't you die on me. <laughs> uh, so I'm going through the, uh, the whole uh, respiratory thing and talking and finally and there's nobody back there there's no i'm me and him that's it back there that's the only thing i'm going there's all these people around here this is a laundromat um and so i'm i'm going at it and, and he's calling and he's asking me and i'm going yeah you know and, and the air was compressing in and out so i know that he was still basically with us or with me i should say and then 
Somebody was walking down Redwood Road right there, and he saw me, and he came up, and he says, can I help you? And I said, you just make sure they get here. Because I knew they'd find this location okay, but finding exactly where we were might take a few more minutes, and I was pretty anxious. And do you know that 10 minutes can feel like a lifetime? I'm going, where in the heck are they? You know, so... um, they showed up. All of a sudden, this guy's laying down. All of a sudden, he, he leaps up to sitting position and goes, <gasps> like this, right in front of me. The minute they, they stopped, they're just getting out. And then he stands up and the needles fly out of his pocket. And um, so they, they got involved. And one nice gentleman said, you probably saved his life. And those were the only words they said to me. Now, here's my point. They, didn't, they, they have one thing in mind. Save the person's life. They're not going to say, when did you start using? How did you, why did you start using? They got one thing in mind. Save that person's life. They're not asking how you got there. That's it. EMT. And that, I find that to be true. I mean, we have several nurses in our congregation. I find that to be really true throughout the whole medical industry. But I'm using the EMTs today because it fits. And I was there. And so were they. So many, and I'm going to loop this back in, many of, we have great services in our society you know, that, that, that are here to help people um, and rescue people, right? Keep that in mind, to rescue people. And so, uh, you know, that happened several months ago, and I knew one day I'd be able to tell this story and use it in, uh, like I am today. So Jesus came to introduce something brand new. The very strong point of this whole series. Brand new to the world. And not only to the world, but for the world. He came to introduce something extremely brand new. Not just an addition to the Old Testament law. Not just to come in and say, hey, what you guys are doing is great. Now you just need to add a little more to it and it'll be perfect. He came in to establish something extremely brand new. Jesus came to establish a new covenant, new commands, and a new movement. That's what he did. He said, behold, he came and said, I come to fulfill everything that Moses spoke of. I am the fulfillment. Now, from this moment forward, I am going to apply new... Well, Matthew 5. You've heard it said this way, but I say unto you. You've heard an eye for an eye, but I say to you, pray for those that persecute you. New. Brand new. Brand new. This is very important. And so, um, Jesus claims, his claims were, what I say today, what I'm saying to you now, he didn't come out exactly come out and say it, but it's what he said. I'm greater than the temple. 
What I am establishing is better than what Moses gave you. I'm completing this, and I'm taking you further. I'm bringing in something brand new for you. And he, illust- you know, he illustrates this through the, uh, much of his teachings throughout all four Gospels. And we're using all four Gospels for this, this series. To some people, the religious leaders of the day, that was extremely threatening. And to many, it was, they were very intrigued by what he was saying. They were hearing something fresh and something new. They were hearing the heart of God. I know that you guys have felt like you've never lived up. I know that you worked hard to please God. But I am telling you something new. And and it is really that Jesus is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31.31. He is the fulfillment of that prophetic word that Jeremiah gave hundreds of years earlier. He spoke with authority. Now listen, this is important. He spoke with authority, but he did not take charge. Think about it as you read. He spoke with authority, but he did not take charge. He won the crowd, but he refused the crown. He won the crowd. He had a following. His name was spread out through all of Galilee. He was a very difficult person to meet one-on-one with. This morning I want to introduce to you Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus was a well-known Pharisee of the time, highly educated, knew everything about the law of Moses, knew all the temple work of the temple, understood all these things. And Nicodemus was very intrigued with Jesus. And he really wanted to know by, he understood, he believed that Jesus was from God. But yet, like the other Pharisees, he's going, hmm, Maybe his whom was more of a seeker whom versus we got to get rid of this guy. And so the encounter that we had that Nicodemus has with Jesus, as you, if you have your Bible, turn to chapter 3 of John. Um, another thing I notice about Nicodemus is that I would call him a real seeker. He was somebody that really wanted to know if Jesus was a man from God. He understood that, that he couldn't, Jesus couldn't do all the things he's doing unless he was connected to God. Maybe he, just, maybe he was a prophet. And he wanted to find out for himself. So instead of sending, now you remember the idea when we had with John the Baptist early on, where the, where the Pharisees actually sent their scribes and other temple workers to go, and you know, go find out what this John guy is talking about. Nicodemus came on his own. So starting with verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, Rabbi, he said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. That's a powerful statement. 
Because the other Pharisees aren't saying that. But he is saying that. And I don't know who he's actually referring to when he uses the word we, but there might be a few others going on that they're having this conversation and possibly he was selected to go and talk to Jesus. We don't know. You can only surmise. But the truth is, he came and talked to Jesus at night. And there's those that said, well, he came to talk to Jesus at night because he couldn't, couldn't be, didn't want to be seen or recognized. I'm not sure about that. What I am sure about is he wanted a private audience with Jesus. And I'm not sure why. And, the, and the, it, you know, you can read the theologians and you can talk about it. But the truth is, nobody really knows. The truth is, nobody really knows, and the one thing that we can draw from this is he is very interested, and he says, I recognize that this, by what's going on, by what he's saying, by what he's doing, this is a man from God. Now, possibly you're with us tonight, and you're with us today, rather, excuse me, you're with us today, and maybe you've grown up in church, and maybe you haven't liked church very much. But you kind of like Jesus. I was one of those guys. I liked Jesus, but I didn't like church. And then, then I figured out, I, I was part of these groups early on in my walk, and I figured out, if I'm going to like Jesus, i got to like his church somehow, right? And then the Lord began to change my heart. I said, Lord, I love your church. You know why I love God's church? Because it's his plan. It's his plan. And so over the years, is, is, can, I, can I be ruefully honest with everybody right now? Just ruefully honest? Heart to heart? Church is as dysfunctional as any dysfunctional family I've ever met. Oh, wait, we got a lot of amens going there. <laughs> and guess what? It's that way because we're there, right? Anyways, I mean, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but there's a lot of truth to that because we all come in from various different backgrounds, from various different training, from various different expectations of what we think church should be like. We have all these various different things. My prayer for all of us is we figure out what Jesus wants us to do in church and line up with him, right? Right? Okay, look, I, I think I got some interest here. Anyways, we have this encounter with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus not only was a prominent Pharisee, but he was also part of the Sanhedrin, which ranged anywhere from 25 to 75 religious leaders of the Sanhedrin, uh, which was a, um, two different religious groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, thank you very much. I had a little walk up there. Anyways, and the Sadducees did not believe in spiritual things. The Pharisees did. They believed in the hereafter. They believed in angels. And it's much like, if I, if I could just bring it down to a, a, a denominator that we'd all agree to, they didn't get along so well. Much like the Democrats and the Republicans. We can go on. That's the kind of contention they had within this group. They had two different value systems, and they clashed often. And so Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, and he says, 
I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And that's confusing to Nicodemus because the idea of being born, he's thinking of born in the natural, born in the natural. And he's going, well, how do you do that? How's that take place? And so he's having this encounter heart to heart with Jesus. He begins by saying, I recognize, gives him that rabbi, teacher, I recognize that you're from God. And then Jesus, you know, he's asking questions and Jesus is beginning to give very solid statements and even returns with some questions himself. But he says this, you cannot enter the kingdom. Now, here's a man that has lived his life completely to the law of Moses, dedicated to the temple. And Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom without being born again. He goes, well, (laughs) what do you mean? Exclaims Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How can it happen? How's that possible? And Jesus replies, and he says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born again. Of water and of spirit. So you're born of the natural. You come to this earth first. And then born in the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth. And he goes on to say in verse 7. He says, so don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows whenever it wants, excuse me, wherever it wants. Just as you can't hear the wind, you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. As you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And so, simply say, Being born of the Spirit is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For those of you who are going, I I need to know the answer to that. I just told it to you. You want to be born of the Spirit? You have to receive Jesus. Now, remember, John is writing here. He's He's writing after all things have already taken place. So this encounter, this is an eyewitness encounter. This isn't folklore. This isn't something. This is John writing, John the Apostle, writing down everything that he saw and heard himself. This is an accurate account of what's going on. So John is is actually, as he writes here, he's writing from a sense of being there personally, but he writes it later. And it's written later. And so Jesus goes on and he says, Okay, Nick, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life, born of the Spirit. And he goes, oh, now we're talking. I know about Moses. So, so he didn't know about the second part. He says, okay, let's talk about Moses. And he's knowing the setting. The setting comes out of you know, uh, Exodus, and all these snakes are biting everybody. And you can go read about it, but they're all biting everybody, and everybody's going to die because they're getting bit by snakes. So the Lord told Moses, 
to put a bronze snake on a pole and lift it up. And everybody that looked upon the snake was saved. They were healed. They were set free from the plague of the snakes. And I know and today, with us today, we kind of go, because we're not, we're not really good at supernatural stuff, but I'm telling you, supernatural is so real. It is so real. And, you know, we read those, oh, man, that's quite a story. But I'm sure it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Red Sea, right? Walking through on dry land on the Red Sea. I've heard all kinds of renditions of that and going, really? Anyways, <laughs> I believe the Bible says when they walk, walked on dry land on the Red Sea, it actually happened. And part of that's part of the faith part of it. That God, we're talking about the life of Jesus. Nicodemus sees all this miraculous things going on around Jesus. He recognizes that at, at best, he's a representative God of one, maybe one of the old, like the one, some of the Old Testament prophets, like Elijah or somebody like that. And he's seeing this and he's, he, he's being drawn in to discover what has taken place. And so he, he comes to him and has this audience with him and Jesus speaks to him and he says, okay, anybody that goes on a pole is cursed. He knows that. He knows that. Anybody that is put on a pole is cursed. He knows the story. But in his modern day, what takes place, those that goes on a cross, they're cursed. And so Jesus is saying, if I be lifted up, people are healed. But he doesn't have a grid for this right now. He just left Moses and said, what are you talking about? If you're on a pole and then... And then, and then you, and those that believe will have eternal life. That's what he says. And so he is telling him, this hasn't happened yet, Nicodemus, but you're going to know about it. You're going to be a part of the group as I walk through my journey to that pole. You're going to be there. You're going to hear about it. You're going to be a part of that inward inner circle of the decision-making that puts me on that pole. Now we do know, church history, that Nicodemus, something took place in his heart because we know that he also helped Joseph of Arthias who came and got Jesus' body and took him and put him in their, his own personal tomb. We know that Nicodemus was a part of that. Now, we have to believe that all of this encounter that he's having right now with Jesus. And maybe that some of you in this room right now are having an encounter with Jesus. Maybe, maybe I would say you're here this morning. And it's not by mistake. Maybe, you, maybe, like I said earlier, you grew up in church. And you're saying, look, I've made a mess of my life. All the decisions I've made have nothing, done nothing but cause me pain. And then I remember some of those things said in Sunday school, and I want, to, I want to see if those things are true or not. And if that's you this morning, you're here because Jesus is saying the exact same thing to you. Eternal life belongs to those who believe in him. And the Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. 
And so we, for one, I want, to, I want to just stand up here and commend you because I know sometimes crossing a church door is not easy. I understand that takes a lot of, a lot of courage. I understand that. I also understand that sometimes, like the Pharisees, um, church has a way of putting things on people that Jesus hasn't put on them. We understand that too. Um, <clears throat> but that's another sermon. So, Jesus says something to Nicodemus that is challenging. And I think, I think he earmarked it. That everybody that believes in Jesus will have eternal life. I think, he, I think he heard that. And as we see in some of the results that took place in his personal life, we believe that, that he actually embraced that. But won't know until we're in heaven. And then Jesus goes on and says this in verse 16, actually. He says, For this is how God loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that so whoever who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is saying this to Nicodemus. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Not to judge the world, but to save the world. Powerful scripture. Many of us that have been a part of church life for any period of time know this by heart. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, we tell people that all the time. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of the first scriptures I ever learned uh, that I ever memorized. And I, and I still memorize it in the King James. So, but he says something, eternal life. So he's trying to find out who Jesus truly is. And Jesus saying, this is how, this is how. You can live with God. And I am that person. I am that person. So, he must be put on a pole. And as I said earlier, as I was talking about earlier, the MET. Uh, <clears throat> yes. Jesus came. We all needed a blood transfer user. There you go. That's what Jesus did on the pole. He came and rescued us. And this is how he rescued us. He said, this is the deal. Those who believe in me will, will have eternal life. And guess what? All your sins, all your shortcomings, everything that kept you separated from God, everything that you feel guilty and ashamed and discouraged about, all of that garbage that we lived in our life, he says, because you believe in the man on the pole and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, is all put away. Right there, Jesus doing this right there, right? Come on. He's doing that right there. He's doing, I'm going to... Pour spiritual life into you. I came in the volumes of the book so that you might have life and that you might have that life. You and I might have that life abundantly. Now, I'm telling you, I've been around the world a little bit. I've walked in and around different religious settings. There is not a 
better offer anywhere. Anywhere. It blows my mind that people look at this and say, I don't want him. I'm going, are you kidding me? Really? What do you, what? I have that conversation with people all the time. I, you know, I don't give them those facial. I just go, hmm, that's interesting. But anyways, in my heart, inside of me, the backside of this face has gotten, what? You got a better deal somewhere else? No, there isn't. Jesus is the only deal, right? I mean, some of you are going to say, right. Some of you are going to say, well, maybe. Okay, I got it. We can walk this out. Some of you are going to say, I'm interested. Okay, that's good too, because that's what Nicodemus was. He was interested. That's where he started. All of us start somewhere. And then he, he, and he was interested. I think he, I'm sure he left his time with Jesus and went, what just happened? Right? What, what exactly just happened? But then through time, as he saw everything unfold, and again, letting you know, he's an insider. He's an insider. I believe in my heart, this man came to Christ. He came to Christ. And, you know, he came from being curious, understanding there's something about God here to... You're saying a lot of stuff I don't understand. I mean, I understand that the wind blows where it wants to. That's, you know. You know, but he's not connecting the dots, right? Have you ever, maybe some of you are listening to me and go, that guy, what is he talking about? I'm not connecting the dots. Hang in there. Hang in there. Because the dots really get connected. Like I wouldn't, we're using Nicodemus as an example really gets connected when you say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Let me just give you a really good prayer. If you are who he says you are, I want to know. Okay, if you are who he says you are, that guy, would you reveal yourself to me? And let me tell you something. Over 40 years ago, that's the exact prayer I prayed. Because one of my dear friends came to Christ, and I'm going, what in the world happened to you? And I went home and said, if you are who he says you are, I want to know. And here I am today, right? So you have this, this whole encounter this complete whole encounter with God, which God is still encountering. The, th- the thing is, we see church as these big gr- groups of people, like groups like us and larger, smaller, you know, just variations, different cultures and so forth. But here is something that each and every one of us really need to understand. Jesus sees you personally. Jesus sees you as an individual. You know, it's not just, I need to be a part of that group because God's there. Well, we we pray that God is here, and I believe he is here. Um, If you're not experienced, you know, I I do believe he's here. Because that's what his Bible tells me. The Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered, I'm in the mess. I'm there. I believe he's here. 
And there's times when we just like connect with that. And there's some times that we don't. But he's here. It's by faith. Or, I, or let me use another word. I trust in his word. Faith and trust are interchangeable. But he's here, but it, he's here for you. He's here for you. And because he's here for each and every one of us at a personal level, we're all blessed. We're all blessed because of that. We're all encountering God together. But he's here for you. You know, and that took me a while to figure that out. Because I thought it was just being in church that, that, that really, really was the issue. And then I realized the Lord said, no, I'm here for you, Daryl. And don't get a fat head. I'm here for the person next to you, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, those moments where you got to go, okay, here we go. No, he's here for all of us, right? So, amen, amen. So what, this is, this is what, what he's saying here. He's saying God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. God loves, God gave, we believe, we receive. Isn't that powerful? Nicodemus finally connected with that. Maybe you're here with us this morning and you still have questions. But that is the bottom line, that God gave God loves us. God gives to us. We believe in what God, how God loves us and what God gives to us. We believe it and we receive it. That's how simple this is. That's exactly how simple it is. And it's that simple that makes it almost a stumbling block to us, right? Isn't that? I mean, some of us just want to pull out our wallet and say, can I pay for it so I can own it? Right? Or maybe even use this line. What can I do? I mean, I will serve in your temple. I will serve in this. I will serve this way or that way so I can earn it and feel good about it, right? I mean, that's our nature. That's our culture. That's what we do. And Jesus is saying, no. No, 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 no. God loves. I give. I make that, I make that love eternal. Your job, my job, is to believe and receive. Your job and my job is to believe and receive. Right? And wherever you're at on the spectrum, wherever you're at in your journey, you and I cannot get away from that. That is always a part of our journey. Believing what God has for us, receiving His love, is overwhelming love. Do you realize, and if you don't, maybe this might help you, that his love is what really, well, I'll, I'll just use myself as an example, but his, his overwhelming love for me has compelled me, has compelled me to live differently. It's just compelled me to live differently. Still does today. I got, a lot, I got a lot of growing up to do. I know you don't believe that, right? <laughs> no, I do. I really do. So let me give you the visual. God loves. 
God gave, we believe, we receive. There's, there's something. And that, and that is what he was really saying to Nicodemus through all that, through, through his in, encounter. That will never leave us. That statement will never leave you and I. God loving us is not based on what we do or don't do. He just loves us. I mean, it's, we live in a society where love is conditional. Let's have the worship team come forward. We live in a society where love is conditional. That's where you go, you're right. Come on. If you grew up in my generation or the post-war generation, you also, you know, therapists have helped us recently. You know, uh, if, if you do good, I'm going to reward you with this, right? That's conditional, right? We start at a young age. And uh, I, know, I, I think we, we still kind of do that. I think we, we've grown a little bit from that to some degree. Um, I know I've done it. But God's love is not conditional. It's not based on what we do. It's not based on us. It is just his love for you in spite of you. Right? Right. I mean, that's just mind-boggling to me. So I'm going to ask the, our ushers to come forward. We're going to take our offering. If you're a guest with us, please, please do not feel obligated in any way. This is just kind of the best way we figured out to have our family give to the, give to the support of the church. Um, but this is a great time for you to put your Connect card in, in the offering bag as it comes around. And also, we have an online giving. Uh, you can go on... Um, you know, oasisvineyard.org, and we have a simple give there if you haven't come prepared but you'd like to. That's one place that you can. And I want to um, say that, you know, giving is just a part of who we are. And, it, and there's so many ways that we need to give. And sometimes, some, depending on your gift mix and your personality, some ways of giving is easier than other. And God wants to bring us all to a place where we're willing to give everything because it's all His. And I, I kind of use the standard of the, the tithe, what is known as the tithe, the 10%. I use that personally, um, and I realize that it's more an Old Testament cheese. And it, actually, if you're doing it in the Old Testament, it would be 20%. But anyways, I need guidelines. I need goals. I'm just that kind of person. And so what it boils down to, as I said a couple few weeks back, what it boils down to is one penny per dime. I'm sitting there going, I can, I'm, I can so do that, right? It's when it becomes the $100 to the 1000 it begins to get a little difficult, right? So I got to keep it down to the penny, penny margin. I got to keep it in those terms because it liberates me. I go, this is easy, so I can do that. So I keep it down in the dime, dime range. So I'm just letting you know that's kind of how I think about it. And maybe that might be helpful for you because it's easier to put pennies aside than it is other things, right? Um, so Lord... We'll have a little ministry time afterwards. I, I think God really wants to minister to us this morning. But let's sing a song. Put your hearts before God. My uh, exhortation. Just let him. He's here to heal. He's here to save. He's here to redeem. He's here to change. He's here to give. Make things new that seem to be old. He's here to, to, to 
inviting's inviting us. And I, I want to really help that person, this or people, that you're just become very weary. And some, and, and I'm talking to a, a, a what I call mature Christians. You become weary of doing the right thing. And Jesus wants to love on you all over that. He wants to redeem your heart. He wants to give you fresh vision and return you to his first love. He is so here for you this morning. And for some of you younger people that are that are just starting out this journey with Jesus and there's so many things emotionally tugging at your heart. So many voices coming into your life telling you uh, that are things that are just totally opposite of what Jesus would say. And the Lord would say to you, if you say yes to him, you're going to have a life that you cannot imagine. You cannot imagine it. If you say to, yes to him, just say yes to him. In whatever career path you're on, whatever situation you're in, you say yes to him, and he's going to be all over that with you. And you're going to see Jesus in it. Stand with me if you